0: Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. continues our collection of talks thus far in this message, The Brook, The Barrel, and The Boy. We often dictate the sum of our blessings by the result of their final product. We undervalue the potential of the ingredients in their undeveloped form. God's faithfulness is a promise to multiply that which we do not keep for ourselves. What do you have in your hand that God wants to use? Next Sunday is our Bricklayers offering, a special above and beyond act of faith to accelerate the vision for 2023. To learn how you can be a part, check out vuchurchcom vision. Now let's lean into the message together.
1: First Kings chapter 17, starting in verse seven, the Lord put a message on my heart. I can't wait to share it with you. It says this, it says, and after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but first. Everyone say, but first. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make me something for yourself, make something for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. Verse 16, the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Come on, if you think that's a good word today, somebody said amen in this house. Uh, I wanna preach for a few moments today, and I believe the Lord's given me a message for everyone here, and of course, for everyone who's tuning in online right now. I wanna preach from the subject the brook, the barrel, and the boy. The brook, the barrel, and the boy. And a couple of weeks ago, we had what we call Vision Sunday around here at Vu Church. And the phrase that the Lord gave me comes from First Samuel chapter 7, where Samuel puts a memorial stone in the ground, and he declares to the people of Israel, thus far, the Lord has helped us. And in many ways, we are taking this little phrase, and as we're looking back on seven years, we're reflecting on the faithfulness of a good God. How did we get here? By the faithfulness of God. How will we move forward? Come on, somebody, by the faithfulness of God. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. And if we're gonna be honest, in the seven short years that we have been a church, it is important that all of us recognize that God has blessed this house. There is favor on this place. There's a touch of God on the VU community. But what I want us to understand today is that if we're gonna move forward in the blessing of God. How many of y'all know history repeats itself? God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God is going to repeat himself at vu, it means he's about to bless us in ways that we could never think or imagine. Come on, I feel like prophesying a little bit today. But my message is really, really simple today. This is for the people that love this house. This is for the people that are getting ready to give towards this house. I want you to hear me loud and clear. Blessing is heavy. This is something that a lot of people don't get taught, but you need to understand it. That blessing is heavy. Don't get me wrong. Sin is heavy. Shame is an unbearable weight. Unrighteous living will bring you to your knees. But I'm not talking about those types of weight today. I felt led of the Lord the Sunday before we give to preach to our church about the weight of blessing. See, the biggest mistake that I see so many people make is they don't realize that blessing goes hand in hand with burden. If you want to have blessings, you're gonna to have to be able to walk through burdens. How many of y'all know it's a blessing to get a brand new house, but it's a burden to pay that mortgage. <laughs> it's a blessing when God gives you a child but to all the new parents out there, it's a burden to wake up in the middle of the night and feed that little girl. <laughs> it's a blessing when God starts to bless your business and it begins to flourish. But how many of y'all know, the bigger the business, the higher and the bigger the criticism, the more the pressure, the more the responsibility, why? Because blessing and burden coincide, they go together. I can't get one without the other. I believe that God is looking for some people you can't just handle blessing but he's saying can you handle the burden i want us to be a church that we understand that as we move forward god is going to bless this house but as he blesses this house as the blessing increases so does the burden god make our legs strong to carry the blessing god make our shoulders strong that we might manage and be responsible for all that you have placed in our hands Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, they called him the Prince of Preachers, he said it this way. He said, there are no cross wearers in heaven who were not cross bearers below. How many of y'all know the cross brings the greatest blessing of all time? But the cross had the greatest burden of all time. Jesus had to die in order that you and I might live. And the only way that you and I will carry our cross every single day is when we operate in faith. But let me be very clear. Faith is marked by one word, and that one word is the word obedience. If I wanna be a person of faith, I have to be a person of obedience. My question for you today is this What's the pace of your faith? How long does it take you to do what God told you to do? Because I really believe that maturity in the Lord is how quickly. You do what he told you to do. How quickly do you actually go to his presence when he calls you? How long does it take you to forgive your friend? How long does it take before you're convicted of the gossip? How long does it take you when he tells you to give for you to give? How long does it take you before you all of a sudden begin to share your faith with those that don't know Jesus? See, I think maturity in the Lord is the time in between what God told me to do and me doing it. A lot of people get real confused about maturing in the Lord and growing in God. Yo, I don't care how much Bible you know. I don't care if you can quote the entire book of Leviticus. If you do not obey God, you are not a mature disciple of the Lord. Come on, somebody. I'm a parent of three kids. And parenting is training. There are some parents that are saying amen today. <laughs> parenting is forming. Parenting is discipling. My kids do not need to be trained in how to disobey. They were born with that, yo. They have to be trained how to obey. My kids, n- nobody has to teach them how to say the word no. They just came out the womb, no. No. My, my little baby girl, dad, dad, and no. No, they have to be trained in how to say yes. Watch this. My children, the quicker they obey their father, the faster they find themselves being secure, strong, and satisfied in Christ. And so it is with you and I. The quicker we obey our heavenly father, the faster we will find ourselves being strong, secure, and satisfied in Christ. Why? Because my faith doesn't move at the pace of my understanding, but by my trust. I want fast faith. I want the pace of my faith to increase. My faith is determined by whether or not I will obey. And when God speaks to me, I wanna do it quickly. I don't wanna live on my timetable. I wanna trust God's timetable. If he tells me to do something, I wanna get moving and do it. Here's the good news about my kids. They are not there yet, but they are growing. I wonder, are you growing in your faith? We get so confused in life. Are you growing in faith? How do I know if I'm growing in faith? Well, one year since last year, are you quicker to obey or quicker to delay? Because all of us have to go on the journey And thus far, when I look back, the Lord has helped me. If I'm gonna move forward into the future, I want the pace of my faith. I want fast faith. I wanna grow in the pace of my faith. Today, I wanna look at a text. The Lord has been speaking to me all week through it. I can't wait to get it into your heart today. I wanna show you a story that I believe is a progression of faith. Someone growing in the faith right before our eyes. But what you will see is the way that God grows the faith, the way that God produces the faith, the way that God blesses is that he has to bring burdens. And the story is found in 1 Kings chapter 17, where we meet uh, Elijah. Elijah is probably the most famous Old Testament prophet. Um, He's an incredible man of God. He did amazing, amazing things throughout the scripture. Um, Elijah doesn't just show up in the Old Testament. We also meet him in the New Testament. Uh, He's written a whole lot about him all throughout the New Testament. I think one of my favorite verses about Elijah is in James chapter five, um, where James, the brother of Jesus, this is what he says. He says, Elijah was a man just like us. I've always loved that scripture because what the Bible is trying to tell you and me is that Elijah is no different from you and me. And if God moved in a mighty way in the life of Elijah, Come on, somebody. He can move in a mighty way in your life today, even in 2022. Some of us, we read the Bible and we think these are like Marvel superheroes. We're like, this is epic. We don't realize that their stories are in the Bible because God is trying to give you a visual aid and a vision of what it looks like for him to move through your life in a supernatural, epic kind of way. Elijah, the scripture says, he shows up on the scene here in 1 Kings chapter 17. And what's going on is um, he is a prophet of God. And as a prophet of God, he's not just a foreteller of the future. He's a foreteller of God's judgment to the people of Israel. As we read in 1 Kings 17, there's this wicked king, his name's Ahab. He's married to a woman named Jezebel. Jezebel's a real person. You might've heard that name before, but uh, she is a wicked pagan woman Um, the stories in the Old Testament about her. uh, She led the people of Israel into Baal worship. Uh, If you read the New Testament, you'll see the name Jezebel show up lots of different times because she serves as what I would call an archetype. And the archetype that she's serving as is she gives us a picture of manipulation, corruption, fear, intimidation. She's a spirit in the New Testament. But here in the Old Testament, we meet Ahab and we meet Jezebel and here comes the prophet Elijah and he shows up to tell truth to power. He comes in and he announces, yo, let me just tell you, you guys are sinning and because of it, here comes the judgment of God and the judgment of God is is that it will not rain in this land for three and a half years. With it, as he makes this announcement, he goes on a long sabbatical because after you deliver news like this, you gotta run. He he, he takes off and Jezebel threatens to kill him. And the scripture says that Elijah finds himself out in the wilderness led by God. 1 Kings 17, it's really always interesting how God will lead you into the wilderness. What you'll discover as you start to read this, and I want us to see this really quickly, is that God is going to bless Elijah in amazing ways. But as he blesses him, you cannot miss the fact that it's his obedience that mines out the reward and it's absolutely God's provision at work when his faith is activated. The scripture says that his first test is what I would call the brook. Everyone say the brook. He goes out into the wilderness and when he gets out into the wilderness, um, you can imagine what he's thinking in his mind. This doesn't feel like a blessing. I just obeyed God. I just did this radical thing. I just went and I gave the word of the Lord to a whole bunch of people that didn't wanna hear the word of the Lord. And now they're threatening to kill me. And now I'm living out here in the desert. Many times blessing can feel a lot like burden. And the scripture says that God began to provide for Elijah with water from a brook And then this is the thing I love. He delivers food to Elijah with ravens. I just want to encourage some people today because maybe you feel like you're in a situation right now that feels like a wasteland. I wonder that wasteland that you're in today, could it be the stage that God wants to provide for you? Could it be the platform that God wants to do an amazing miracle? Elijah's out in the wilderness, but God still finds him with food from ravens, You might feel like you're living in the desert, but the good news is, is God can find your doorstep even in the desert and he can meet your needs wherever you are today. He's obeyed God and now he's led to the desert and there with a brook, God gives him water and with a raven, he brings him food. Now I think it's fascinating because it's really interesting to me that God would use a raven to bring him food. Why is that interesting? Because Leviticus chapter 11 would let all of us know that ravens for Jewish men were not kosher. They were detestable animals. Yet God chooses an unclean thing to do something awesome. It tells me that everything in this world is under the control, supervision, and power of an almighty God. Some of y'all need to be encouraged today because my God is so powerful that he can use Satan to accomplish his will in your life. My God can take something that seems so wrong and bad, and he can weave it into something that is so good. This unclean animal that they can't touch, God says, I'm gonna take the wicked thing to bless the righteous thing. Some of you are in a situation right now, and you have no idea, but my Bible tells me that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. God's fixing to use a sinner to bless somebody who's following him. Off food, not FedEx, not UPS, not Amazon, a raven. Don't tell me he can't find you, don't tell me he can't use you. I grew up in old Pentecostal church and a preacher one time came through and told a story about this woman. I don't know if it's a true story, but it always encouraged me. This woman, she was a widow. She had nothing. She had no food. And every day she would get down on her knees and she would pray, God, fill my pantry. Fill my pantry with food. And one day there was a knock at the door. When she opened up the door, right there on the doorstep was all the food she had been looking for. She said, oh my goodness, God did it. God did it. God did it. Right while she was praising God, a man jumped out from behind the bushes and he said, aha, I'm your next door neighbor and I'm an atheist. And I heard you praying yesterday for God to fill your pantry. So I went to the grocery store, I bought all the groceries, I put them right here on the doorstep, and I hid in the bushes all to watch you praise a God that does not exist. She said, God did it. God did it. God did it. He said, no, 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 you are not listening. You are praising the wrong God. I heard you praying the prayer from the window. I don't believe in God, there is no God. I went to the grocery store, I bought the groceries with my own money, with my own credit card. Put them in my car, drove them over here, put them on the doorstep, knocked on the door, hid in the bushes, all to watch you give praise to a God that does not exist. This woman, she doesn't know much, but she said, God did it. God did it, and he made the devil pay for it. I'm trying to tell you about person somebody give God some praise today God did, it, God did it 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 God meets Elijah's needs with a brook of water with a raven that delivers food but the scripture says as we read first Kings chapter 17 that the brook dried up I want to encourage some people what was a blessing in one season might not be a blessing in the next season why did God dry up the brook? Because God is trying to get Elijah and you and I to understand that the blessing is not the brook. The blessing is him. God's trying to get Elijah to understand, trying to get you and me to constantly understand that the brook is not the source. He's the source. He, 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 he's the source. He's the source. I think sometimes there's people living that are more in love with the provision than we are with the provider. We need to understand that sometimes God will dry up one blessing. Sometimes God will press on us, but He's pressing on us because He wants to provide for us. Do you want brook water or do you want living water? And God's trying to say right there to Elijah, oh, the source is not the brook, I'm the source. Many times, the weight of the burden pressing down on us, we think it's a pressing burden, but really, it's a provision of God's blessing. Because when weight comes on us, I've learned this, that many times, the only way God can get something out of us is if he demands it out of us. And the weight of the burden demands something from our life. It's an invitation. Watch this. God is trying to show Elijah, uh, I don't wanna just provide for you from the brook. I wanna provide for you from a widow in Zarephath, but you will never go to Zarephath if I don't first dry up the brook. And so he dries up the brook because he's trying to push Elijah in to Zarephath. He's pressing on him to provide for him. So he goes from the brook And he shows up in Zarephath. Zarephath's an interesting area. Zarephath is not Jewish territory. It's Gentile territory. Zarephath, watch this, by definition means refining place. That's exactly what God is doing in Elijah's life. He is refining. He's putting him through the furnace to burn off some things that are about to hinder his faith. And he's making his faith pure gold. So he says, the brook's not your source. I'm your source. Head on over there to Zarephath. Go outside of your normal comfort zone, outside of your territory. And there in Zarephath, you're going to meet a widow and I have commanded this widow to provide for you. She's going to feed you. Now just get this picture. Here comes Elijah. He's left the wilderness. He's now entered into Zarephath and he finds this widow and he speaks to this widow and he says, "Uh, can I have something to drink? I just want you to try to see the picture that we're seeing because This is absolutely wild to consider what he's doing. This man of God is coming and making this request to this widow in Zarephath. He's saying, can you feed me? Now, how many all know if this was like 2022, this would be a news story, man of God asking widow whose son is dying for help. But I want you to see it because it's really important in verse nine, He's not commanding the woman to give. He's asking the woman to obey what God had already commanded her to do. So important that we see this. It's not Elijah making a demand. It's Elijah, the prophet of God, challenging this woman who's heard from God to do what God said. It's what we do at VU Church, by the way. We've got an offering coming up. I'm not telling you what you should give. The Lord's spoken to me. You got the provision. You got the. Pro- I, I'm supposed to ask you to ask him what he told you to do. That's all I just doing. He's just asking her. He's not commanding her. He's not pushing her. He's just doing what God said for him to do. Now this is a beautiful picture because this woman, she's like, uh, why are you asking me? Uh, I only have a handful of flour and a little jar of oil. King James Version says a barrel of food, just a barrel a jar, something small. I only have a little. And the little I do have, uh, I'm about to go make my last meal so my son and I can eat it and die. I mean, just consider what it is she is saying. Okay, I hear you. um, But before you do that, why don't you go make me a meal? You want to talk about radical. You want to talk about pushing it. Elijah hears this woman and he says, why don't you go make me a meal first? What's happening here? God is doing what he's always doing. God has dried up the brook to push Elijah into Zarephath, where in Zarephath, he's gonna stir up faith in a widow. And then the widow's gonna use her faith to trust God to give out of her need to meet the needs of the man of God and then the man of God as we're going to see his needs are going to be met only for him to come back and provide and minister once again it is called the supernatural circle of God's provision and it's only activated by faith always it doesn't make logical sense it makes no sense it's called faith in action so here comes Elijah he's like you're supposed to feed me first and what does she do she responds like a lot of us respond uh me I only have a little, I I, I barely have anything. I just have a a small fistful of flour and just a little tiny jar of oil. How on earth could God use this little that I have? But I wanna remind some people today, a little in your hands is a lot in God's hands. All you have is all you need. If you'll take what you have and give it over to God, God can multiply it and he can do a miracle with it. I think about Jesus in the New Testament. Remember that story? Everybody's real hungry. 5,000 plus people out there listening to him preach. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, what do y'all have? Like, we got nothing. Well, that's not true. We stole five loaves and we stole two fish from a little boy. We took his Lunchable. We got that. (laughs) What does Jesus say? Jesus says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. Gotta see this. They bring the five loaves and the two fish. What does Jesus do? He blesses it and then he breaks it. And as he breaks it, he gives it back to them. I love this because a lot of us today we're in here, and what you have, you feel like it's just pieces. You feel like your gift's just pieces of a gift, pieces of a resource, just, just pieces of talent. But when we hand it over to God, He blesses it. He breaks it. He puts it back in our hands, and then He says, "Go and pass it out." This is what so many people don't see about the text: is that the miracle doesn't happen in Jesus's hands. The miracle happens in the disciples' hands when they begin to distribute the food. Why? Because the miracle of multiplication always happens in our hands after God's blessed it and broken it. In fact, when you read it, I think, I think they just got it back in pieces. Like, what, this is still not enough. He's like, well, go pass it out. Okay, here you go. You know, you know when you're trying to do like buffet line, you, like, you know you don't have enough food, so you're like, just a little bit of mashed potatoes, you know? There's always that one guy who comes and he gets like two helpings, you're like, dude, there's a whole line. Um he's like, here you go, okay, here you go, okay, here you go. Okay, okay, here you go. Okay, here you go, here you go, here you go. Let's go back. Here you go, here you go. Here you go. Every time they poured out, there was more food. I'm trying to get you to see something today. Because some of us have it in our mind today that all of a sudden when God asks you to give, you're like, why are you talking to me? Bricklayer is offering, bro. No, 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 bro. That's for the people who have extra to give. No, friend, it's quite the opposite. It's for the people that understand the blessing and the provision of God who say, I wanna actually give where it's a sacrifice. I actually wanna give where I have to operate in faith. I wanna give that's gonna activate blessing. I I don't wanna give from my extra. I wanna be like this widow who's just got a fistful of flour and just a small barrel of oil, but to say, God, if you told me to do it, I'm gonna obey you trusting that you have a plan to carry me through. When you read that text, he says, but first, before you go and eat, but first come and give me something to eat. He is a type of Christ. We learned that last week. Elijah is a type of Christ and he's representing the New Testament principle. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus doesn't wanna be second. He doesn't wanna be third. He wants to be first. He wants you to know the brook is not your source. The barrel is not your source. I am your source. Put me first. Put me to the test. It's funny, um, I asked the team to grab this for me today because um, I grew up in uh, a denomination called the Assemblies of God. And um, when I was a little kid uh, in our kids' church, they gave us this exact little thing here. It's called a buddy barrel. And um, the idea of the buddy barrel was that all the kids from kids' ministry, all the food kids would go home and children would place their change Into the buddy barrel, and once it got full, we would bring it to God's house and we would give it to God's house. And the buddy barrel was provisioned in this tiny little barrel by kids that started in the 1940s to fund missionaries around the world. And for decades in the assemblies of God, missions have taken place all over the world from a little change in a little barrel from a bunch of kids. And I'm grateful for a mom and dad who taught me from the beginning to say, God, Rich, trust God with your barrel. Put the little that you do have, take the little that you do have, place it in his hands. Don't wait till you have extra. Give from the place where it's costing you something, believing that as you dig deep into the barrel that you are giving from a cup that continues to overflow that you have a bank of blessings that thus far God has provided, is providing, and will provide. I'm gonna move forward with just change in a barrel. I love it because the less we hold, the more we have. This is what we believe as Christians, that it's my little handful of flour and it's my little barrel of oil. But as I put God first, as I bring it to him, before you know it, he continues to provide and provide and provide. There was always enough food, there continued to be enough food, because it's God who is the one who's providing. It's all how you see, I wonder, how do you see your barrel today? How do you see what you have today? Because this is really the question that many of us, we look at it and we think it's too small. We think it's too little. We're like this woman. No, 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 it's too little. How could you ever use this? I just have this little bit and God's going, no, 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 no. I wanna do something through it. How how do you see your barrel? How, How do you see it today? Do you think it's dry? Do you think it's empty? Do you believe that God can't work through it? No, you need to stir up your faith today. You need to activate your faith and believe that the little that you have, God can do something more with it. I just believe everything is about the way that we see it. Many of us were praying for a table and God's like, I'll give you a table. Here's some wood. We're like, but I prayed for a table. He's like, I know, that's wood, go for it. How do you see it? Do you see wood or do you see a table? How do you see it? Do you see a slingshot or do you see a weapon that can take down giants? Do you see a cross for execution? Or do you see a bridge that leads to salvation? Do you see a tomb that holds the dead? Or do you see a womb that is beginning to house resurrection, power, life, and life more abundantly? If you have something left, listen to me. God can do something more. I believe that God wants to provide for this house, and I do not believe the miracle is outside this house. Thank you for everyone who's watching online. Uh, We're grateful, maybe you live in some other state, maybe you live in some other place, maybe God's speaking to you, but I believe that you're in the house. We're just in the house digitally. But I don't think there's someone coming from a distance. I think that God wants to speak to his people, and then his people are gonna give out of their little barrel, and as they give, God's gonna meet our needs. Why is this so important? It's so important because many times, the weight of the burden, we don't know it, but it's preparing us for the future. And you didn't realize it, but that, that weight that's coming down on you, it was getting your legs strong because you had no idea the challenge that was gonna await you. I believe the blessings in front of us as a church, but I know that there's battles. I know that there's obstacles. I know that there are challenges that await us in the future. But how may all believe, until I have bread faith, I'm never gonna have resurrection faith. Because the scripture says, as you continue to read in First Kings chapter 17, sometime later, I don't know how long sometime later is. I just know it's a progression of time. Sometime later, that widow whose little boy was sick, he actually dies. We don't know why he died. We don't know how he died. All we know is that this woman, she begins to be broken over her boy. She begins to cry. She begins to weep. She starts to get angry. But I love it because we have been watching a progression of faith. Come on, if, if God was there at the brook and if God was there at the barrel, come on, I believe he's gonna be there with the boy. So this woman, she's, she, she's reacting and she's upset and she's angry. In fact, she gets angry. She calls upon Elijah and she gets angry at Elijah. Elijah. Why did you give me false hope? Why did you even come to my town? Why did you even bring provision to my house? Also, my boy could die. I love Elijah because Elijah, he says, bring me the boy. And the scripture says, you got to go back and read it, that he takes the boy to the upper chamber. He takes the boy upstairs. I wonder when life's burdens come at you, Do you go up to God or do you go down to complain? I want a higher frequency, I want faith. He takes the boy up to the upper chamber and you begin to see a picture. It's a strange picture, but you can see the anguish in Elijah's heart as he begins to cry out to God. He starts praying for this boy. He starts believing that God could resurrect this boy. And the scripture actually says that he lays out, he stretches his body across the boy. And he's praying and he's praying and he's praying. God, let the boy breathe. God, let the boy breathe. I love it because he doesn't do this exercise one time. He does this exercise three times. Jesus was in a grave for three days. But after day three, life entered back into his body. He started breathing. And as he came out of that grave, he was announcing to each and every one of us that the same power, that resurrected him from the grave, it lives inside of us. I'm so grateful that as Elijah started to pray for this boy, I'm so grateful this wasn't his first rodeo. So grateful he didn't just pray one time and then give up, but he had enough wherewithal to keep praying. Not one time, not two, three different times. God, let the boy breathe. 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 Not once, but three different times. But you gotta understand that if you're reading this, if you just started picking up right there in 1 Kings 17, that wouldn't be the starting point of his faith. See, he's seen the brook breathe. He's seen the barrel breathe. It really doesn't require that much more faith to see the boy breathe. Praise and he prays and he prays. And after the third time, the scripture says the boy starts breathing and he's resurrected. And the scripture says he brings the boy down to the mom. And with it, what does the mom do? She steps up and she has a statement of faith. Now I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord is on your mouth is truth. She erupts in faith. Friends, you don't sustain your blessing. The sustainer does that. And the whole picture that God gave me is so important. The whole point of the story is, he wants you to know that he is the source to the brook. Not your job. Your finances are not your source. Your status is not your source. Your title's not your source. Your popularity is not your source. He is the source. You either believe that or you don't. But he said, I am the God who fills the brook. I'm the God who dries up the brook. And you gotta know I'm the source behind the brook. And I dried up the brook so I could fill the barrel so I could resurrect the boy. And if you don't believe I can fill barrels, you will never believe that I can resurrect bodies And the same God who resurrects bodies is the same God who fills barrels. He's trying to get you to see a picture that from the brook to the boy, there's a barrel. And I just wanna be so sensitive, but I also wanna be so challenging to our church. Next week is a faith exercise. It's not about building a building God's gonna provide. It's about getting some of you to unlock something inside of you on your faith journey that you never have before. Rich, what is what does money have to do with my faith? A oh, whole lot. Jesus said where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Some of you, you do not believe that God can fill your bank. Therefore, you're having a really hard time letting him fulfill your soul. Because the same God who resurrected the boy is the same God who dried up the brook. The pressing was pushing Elijah into Zarephath the refining place God wanted Elijah to trust in him God wanted to use Elijah to stir up faith in her to trust in God so God said I'm going to turn this blessing off to turn that blessing on she's going to meet your need and then sometime later she knows who to call when she's got a real problem A problem that money can't solve. A problem that doctors can't solve. A problem that lawyers can't solve. A problem that politics can't solve. She's gonna know who to call. And as the man of God comes, we're gonna see a resurrection from death to life. But in between the brook and the boy was somebody who had to trust God with the barrel. Do you trust God with the barrel? Do you trust him? Who's your source? I wanna trust God with the barrel. I wanna believe that my little, I'm not waiting for extra, but first, but first make me some food. Okay, okay, God. And if you'll put me first, you're never gonna come in second. If you have something left, I can do something more. Some of you today, you're like, oh, Rich, that's just so, you gotta be careful with that kind of preaching. I learned the people that say you have to be careful with that kind of preaching are the people that don't want to give. But it's cool. It's cool. You're right? Come back in January. But you're welcome. You're always welcome. You're always welcome. You're always welcome. It's cool. Careful with that. Okay. That sounds like some law preaching. Sounds like some Old Testament stuff. Um. Not really. That's just one Old Testament story. Not really. Let's f- let's 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 fast forward to the New Testament and we'll close. Jesus, unable, unable to do many miracles in his own hometown. Oh, he's just a carpenter. Now, nah, he can't provide. Now, nah, I know him. I know this little thing. Come on. Come on. Where are you getting all this wisdom from? Okay, man, chill out. Here's Jesus. Luke chapter 4. And we close. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown, but in truth, I tell you, There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to the woman who was a Gentile, the woman who was a widow. Girl made it from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And along the way she adopted a true and better Elijah, a better prophet, his name is Jesus. And Jesus says, there were lots of widows, there was lots of need, there was lots of lack, but there was only one who displayed faith. There was only one who wanted to be a part of my plan. There was only one who wanted to grow. There was only one who wanted to obey. It's not an Old Testament story, it's a faith story. And it's our story, and it's this hour and it's this moment that God wants to meet your needs, but we have to trust him. And many times, I'm telling you what, the burden, it feels like pressing, but actually it's provision, it's actually blessing. Let him dry up the brook, trust him with your barrel. You watch all of a sudden when you need resurrection in your home, he's gonna meet your needs. Friends, I'm just telling you right now, we're never gonna see a city come back from death. We're never gonna see a city turned upside down for Jesus if we don't learn how to trust God with the barrel. Miami is not bad, Miami is dead. That's the salvation story. But we got a whole lot of people that wanna preach the gospel, but they wanna preach the gospel without operating in faith. And friends, if we're gonna see dead people come back to life, we're gonna to have to say, God, you can take the little gifts that I do have. You can take the change in my buddy barrel. God, you can have my last meal and I'm surrendering it over to you, believing God that you will meet my needs. Come on, if you believe it, somebody give God some praise in this house.
0: Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we wanna create an opportunity for you to do so today if you wanna say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com online. We love you.